Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know, it's a great subject, Tom, the subject of nicknames in hockey. And there's some really, really good ones. Some of the ones that come out to mind, of course, Mario Manifique, a great one. But did you have a nickname when you played? Well, they, uh, so I had a couple. Lades was the easy yeah, one. Yeah, right? that's a lot of hockey nicknames. But uh my first year in the leagues, I can't remember where it came from. I think it was uh, somebody here locally wrote an article that I was a legend in my own time up in uh, Marquette, Michigan, where I was at school. Of course, I don't see it that way, right? Well, maybe a little bit. Right. So the older guys especially saw that, and they're giving it to me. Like, oh, you're a legend. You're like, I really like brought it in. So they started calling me Ledge. Oh, my God. So we'll go play. Well, you saw it. We were down in Philly, and Eddie Hosford called me Ledge. Yeah. And so I, I don't hear it much anymore because most of those guys are gone from the area. Like, most guys call me Tommy or Lades, whatever. Yeah. So somebody, like, Ledge, where does that come from? That's what I thought. I was like, oh, my God. But then it makes perfect sense when he explains it. Yeah. You know, most like you said, most hockey names, you add a Y at the end, yeah. you know, or you just, like, shorten the name. But there's some really great hockey names. Yeah. I played with a goalie. His name was Carl Muller, but he was Carl the Truth. And they gave it to me after a, a boxer, oh. Carl the Truth Williams. But it's a great nickname for a goaltender. There's some derogatory ones, too. Like, Richard Liner was Plexi Rexy, right? Whereas some girls called him Sexy Rexy. Too. Well, that's yeah. that's better. Yeah. Plexi Rexy for missing the net. Yeah, Bubba. But, yeah, Bubba. Where'd that yeah, come from? Bubba just, back. I think he came from Junior because he's just such a big guy. Yeah. Who else was there? Well, we had Dennis Maruk on. His nickname was Pee Wee, which isn't really a great nickname. But, I you know. about that, too. And then who? Gerard Gallant had just got fired. He was Spuds, wasn't he? Spuds? No, he was Turk. Turk, that's right. Who was Spuds? Somebody else. So the potatoes are growing out in eastern Canada, yeah. and the guy was from there. Who, who called him Spuds or somebody else called him Spudsy or something? Well, this this you know this one's like Shanahan and Shanny and yeah. Yog. Steve he, Richard was called the General. Was he really? Yeah, because he kind of had that military thing about him. Like, Me, you know, Messier was his nickname was always Moose. Right. Then I guess I don't know when it changed. Like, when did he become the Messiah? Yeah, the Messiah. I think after ninety four. Yeah, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm trying to think of who else could. Bomber, Kenny Baumgartner. Anyone have a crazy nickname that just was you know? Well, Rick Middleton told us he was always known as. Uh, Nifty, but then his original name nickname was Silky. Yeah, after because... a, a, named after a, a stripper, a male stripper <laughs> in drag that he did not know was male. He had no clue. <laughs> he was funny telling that story too. He didn't want to, and we talked him into. No, it. yeah, he and he did. He came yeah. to well, Gordy Howe was Mister Hockey. Like you know, Hockey. it doesn't get better yeah. than that. Bobby Orr didn't really have a ticket. Yeah, Boxcar Hospital. Oh, Bobby, Boxcar. Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr did not have one. And 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 Hospital, it's great. He told us, you know, why? How'd you think it was because I hit like a boxcar? Yeah. It's like all right. Wasn't Derek Sanderson one? Wasn't he Turk as well? He was Turk also. Yeah, yeah that's right. Sorry. Espo was obviously Espo. Yeah. Uh, John Davidson, JD. Yeah, that one's easy. Uh, Grash was Grash. James Patrick. James Patrick was Jeep. Yeah. But I'm thinking like the creative one. Yeah, I know. Well, well, man, it's, it's just, I gotta forget him right now. Oh, oh uh, Don Maloney was, what was his nickname? The oh, Senator. No. You know what else it was? It was Big Frame. What, big Frame? Yeah. Big. Well, his, uh, uh, so I got it out of him. Dave told me that when they were kids, he worked in construction and all the other workers, I guess Don was pretty big, so they called him Big Frame. What? He was a big guy? He wasn't that big. No, I guess he must have been a bigger kid than everybody else. But he's also nicknamed the Senator. What was that about? Was I don't think ever called yeah, the Senator. So Dave did. Oh, did he really? Yeah, I'm not on the show. I think he calls him that more now because of the way he acts now. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Andre Dory, Trapdoor. That's a great name. Yeah. It's just a stupid nickname. But oh, sticks, oh, yeah. Right? That's that's the funny thing about nicknames in the NHL. Like, you know, you're adolescent. You're acting like you're 12 yeah, years old. Right. You come up with these names, but that's. I guess it's team building. Who is there? Was there someone who's like the leader who plays into that? Well, I, I did a lot. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, especially once I, you know, I passed the first couple of years. Now you're more of a veteran player. Because I was not stopping the locker room. I, I know that's hard to believe, but. Uh, but we'll, yeah, it is hard to believe. We'll come up with, we'll find some other ones. I, I remember walking the locker room. Like, I would just, I, I would love getting into the locker room. And I just, not stop. Like, I was just wired. And I, I'd leave the locker room after. And I wasn't like that getting to the locker room. And once I got home, I was just. I was sitting there so, not, wired, you mean like you work in the room? You're like, it's just, joke, I, talk I to I people? I had so much fun, like, uh, like 
being in, in the game wasn't just the playing of the game of the practices. It was being around the guys, the locker room humor. Like I was always yapping at people. Uh, Nikki Fatio and I would sit beside each other, you know, and Herb Brooks would come walking in and we'd all like, we'd both pretend that like, I would say that Nikki was Herb's stepson or nephew or something like okay. that. I said, your son's over here, Her- Herbie. And Herbie's always like, look. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, he, he wasn't really mad. He was like, he that was his kind of role and he knew that. So he'd play that gruff old yeah. guy like, oh yeah, get off my lawn. Pie, well, Nicky was pie face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who gave him that name? Uh, I think Gresh and I both gave him that name. Gresh may have given it to him before I got there. Did he want to smack you for that nickname or no? No, uh, actually, he, I think he kind of like, yeah. He took it? Yeah. Uh, Eddie Johnson was Siggy because he smoked cigarettes all the time. Okay. Oh, uh, Dwayne Sutter was Dog. Yep. Which is a great nickname. Uh, so Stash, Dash, and Bash. You know what line that was? Out of Hartford. Stash was what Blaine Stoughton. Because he had mustache. Yeah. Dash was uh, uh, Mike, Mike Rogers. Oh, Rogers. Okay. And then Bash was Pat Boutet. Oh, because he was the tough one. Yeah, he's a tough one. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, so so there are some nicknames there. Yeah. So Shel- remember Shel Samuelson, the big guy? Of course. You remember Manu Bowl, the basketball yes, player? Yes. Yeah. So we would call Shell Shell Bowl. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, I knew he was, I don't know if it was with you guys, but he they nicked him the Swedish tripod and a lot because yeah. of the skating ability. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually a good guy, too. Like, at first when I called him the Shell Bowl, I gave him that one. He go, like, he's like, look at him, like, what? He didn't know what that was. Because yeah. he, was, he was, what, 6'8"? Yeah. Good guy too, man. He was he was really a good team. All those Swedes we talked about before the Swedes, the Finns, and everything were yeah. just really good team players. Jan Eriksson, what was he? Uh, Should have been a uh, Selkie winner. Yeah, can't remember what his nickname was. He was a he was such a good shadow too. Yeah, hard to play against. Well, that, that's a good question about the nicknames. Eddie Mio was Potato Head. <laughs> he did not like that at all. <laughs> Why would he like that? <laughs> when he got straight, I think he was in Detroit. He was walking by the bus. We opened up the windows. <laughs> oh no. But then there's some classic ones like Stevie Y. That, that's easy. Yeah, um, yeah. Steve Vickers was Sarge. Oh yes, yeah, Sarge. Yeah. Uh, that mustache. Like, well, why would he be called Sarge? I think well, probably was the mustache. Yeah. The Miola Cat Francis. Yeah. Was it, it was because of Sergeant Slaughter? Is it? Yeah, probably Sergeant Slaughter. I think. Oh, that's mustache. great. What was Walt Kachuk? He was something too. I can't remember. But Keith Kachuk is nicknamed Walt. Yeah. And now it's Big Walt. Yeah. Uh, that's right. Which is so great. that's that, that's after Walt. Yeah. Because I think everybody started calling him Walt. Yeah. Because that was the Walt Kachuk before. Uh, I'm trying to think. B squared. Brian Barrera climbed mine with B squared. Um, that's yeah, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Magic Man, Kent Nielsen. That's another great yeah. name. Well, uh, uh, Pavel Datsuk too. Yeah, another. So they had Dan Cleary. They had a video of Dan Cleary on the Red Wings uh, sitting on the training table, and Datsuk was right beside him. So he got up to Siri and said, "Siri, uh, what is Pavel Datsuk's nickname?" And I guess even Siri knew that it was Magic Man. Oh, really? Yeah. So wow, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, Pav- Mark Pavlich, my favorite player, was he was the fishing magician, but that wasn't really. I don't yeah. think it stuck. We called call it Pav. Yeah. yeah, it's easier. Yeah. Is it hockey? Hockey players are such. Oh, you're nuts. You're all nuts. But anyone who play, even players, you know, we have a lot of high school kids listening to the show and, and younger players, and they, you know, they're in the same culture. I know. Names, you know, chirp. I, I want the video. Uh, I think it's in Minnesota every year. They have the kids with the long hair. Oh, that's long, great. Like that. Yeah, all higher team. Like it's tradition now. Like, and they're just they go they go all in on it. Oh. And they also they sell out months in advance. Oh, is that right? Oh my God, that's a really hot ticket to get. Yeah, it is funny. I look back at the hockey career. Whether you're a kid like seven years old or a you know thirty-seven year old veteran, you're still yeah. acting like a little kid. Still acting. That, that was one of the funniest things. Like Larry Robinson, Phyllis Mazzito. Big Bird. Yeah, Big Bird. Larry Robinson. I'll never forget. I I don't. I may not have told you the story. So Phyllis Mazzito, my first year in the league is the last year in the league. Okay. And we would play this stupid little game where we hold your finger and your thumb in a circle. Oh, the gotcha. Yeah, yeah. That still goes on. So we we would play the gotcha game. Yeah. And I'm playing here. I'm a rookie in the NHL playing gotcha. 21 years old, 20 years old, yeah. whatever. And Phil just, just feels totally into it too. Like he's just, so he he's looks down at your pants pocket. You yeah. got the circle with right. your thumb and he, right. you're like, gotcha. Yeah. And they, but then if we played it, that if you got the person, he punched punch the shoulder and then wipe it off each time. Now, if you could break the circle, then you got to punch the other guy. Right. So and you're playing, and you have to have it below the waist too, doesn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're, so you're playing this. You're like, here I am playing gotcha with Phil Esposito. Yeah. This, I, there's a few stories about Phil. Did I tell you a story about the fireplace? One of the his? No. So uh, he invited, it was the first Thanksgiving in New York. Uh, Phil invited us to his place in the city. His, his wife, I think, at the time was making us good, the uh, Thanksgiving dinner. Probably nice, uh, yeah, Italian yeah. Thanksgiving. Uh, yeah. And so there was uh, Ron Duguay, Barry Beck, and Ron Greshner, and Dave Silk and myself. I guess I can tell the story. So they were uh, there late. Do you want to wait till Phil comes on? There, uh, where would we be? No, I, he, he probably wouldn't remember. But he, uh, they had fired up the doobie after. Okay, it go. was a big, big fat. Wait, are you, are you saying marijuana? Yes, it was marijuana, uh, which is now legal. In, yes. In, in... 
So here I am again, Phil Esposito's getting high, and I'm with yep. Phil Esposito. Like, I, I, if I had a cell phone, I would have been calling my buddies back home. Yeah. I said, this is unbelievable. I'm stoned with uh, Phil Esposito. Yeah, I'm stoned with Jay's with Phil. So he's had a few glasses of wine and then the turkey dinner, so now he's tired. So it's not like he passed out, but he kind of leaned back, and his head was He's not, just chilling. Yeah, his head wasn't all the way in the fireplace. It was close <laughs> enough, and he's starting to like fall asleep. Now, Duguay, Greshner, and uh, Beck are just dying laughing. They go, Phil <laughs> Eric's going to catch on fire. So Silk and I have to grab him by a leg oh, and no. pull him out of the fireplace. <laughs> we got home and I, I got on the phone with my buddies. He says, you won't believe what happened. I just pulled Bill Cito out of the fireplace. Wow. Oh, man, it was funny. It was one of those scenes where you're saying to yourself, I cannot believe this. But, so, but you have, you are at the time pinching yourself. And calling oh, yeah, totally. It's insane yeah, what's just, going on in my yeah, life right now. Yeah, because it wasn't like I've had like seven or eight years in the NHL to experience a whole bunch of things. You're this a kid. Like, yeah, it's Phyllis Mazzino, for God's sake. I've dreamed my whole life of being on the ice. You're just breaking sticks over your head a couple years earlier, oh, and now you're out God, there. You know, I'm pulling pull out of the fireplace. If you like the podcast, share it, leave a review, and uh, keep listening. Do it now. Enjoy the show. This is Full Change with Tom Laidlaw. All right, Tom, we got an excellent show today. We have a guy who almost broke many hearts in 1994 when he stood on his head in a playoff run for the Vancouver Canucks. We have Kirk McLean today. Mr. McLean, how you doing, brother? Good to see you. I'm doing well, thank you. How are you Great. guys? Very good. I remember back, what, about 20 years ago, we were kind of neighbors, right? Living in the same area? Yeah. Well, twenty, yeah, twenty. I guess it would be twenty, yeah, twenty, mm-hmm. twenty-one years old. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to thinking about '94 since you introduced that. But, uh, but no, our time, my time in New York for sure. Yeah, Kirk, do you have PTSD from your time living here? Lately? I do have PTSD, absolutely. <laughs> uh, we're getting old. We're getting old. Uh, we're getting experience. We're getting experience. That's what it is. Not old. Yeah. So we still don't make those stupid mistakes. Well, not as many stupid mistakes anymore. That's right. Stupid, right? That's right. So where did you grow up, Kirk? I grew up in Toronto, basically. Uh, 10 minutes outside of the, the city center, uh, just up the Don Valley Parkway and, and, uh, you know, played my minor hockey in the MTHL for the Don Mills Flyers uh, in the, in when I started playing in travel teams, you know, I, I started house league hockey, like we all do with a team called Agent Court Civitan and then jumped to the Scarborough Hockey Association, which was created back then to Agent Court Lions and then slowly worked my into the AAA or the major, major, uh, a division of of rep hockey through through Don Valley Villagers and then into the Don Mills Flyers. Now, were you a goalie right off the bat? Uh, not right off the bat. I started uh, my first year of hockey was basically a hockey school. It was called the Scarborough Lions Hockey Academy, and it was it was held at uh, Birchmount Arena. If anybody knows where that is, and, and it was just me- you got a good memory though. Yeah, well, okay. yeah. I mean, it, you know, I ended up because I played soccer in the summer, and all these these recreation centers or these ice rinks always had a soccer. Uh, well, pitch beside it so it, it was right. very familiar and and uh it was just all about learning learning the game and, the, and working on your skills and you know seeing if you actually like playing the game and and became interested in goaltender there was a goalie school that came on afterwards and and at that time it was uh, the era of the painted mask face oh, yeah. mask so that was kind of intriguing and and um so i'd always bug my father to stick around and watch a little bit they had a kind of a drill sergeant uh, goalie coach at the time a puck machine was being used so it was kind of cool yeah so that interested me and i became very quickly a bernie perrant and jacques plant fan so when they, their years in their uh, early years in toronto or late years in toronto i guess yeah. um and then started my uh my minor hockey and house league as as a forward and fell into the, the goalie position about uh, halfway through my second year uh, in house league hockey where we needed a goaltender and two of us put our, our hands up and rotated that last half of the year and i had some pretty good success yeah. i uh i made the i guess the the all-star team for the for the uh the house league and and just stuck with it right yeah. after that yeah you always impress me as a more intelligent guy more than uh, most hockey <laughs> players Are you pretty good in school uh i you know i held my own i, I wasn't the greatest uh you know i got by i guess yeah. um you know i think uh as you stated, as as years go by, as as we age, we get we, the yeah. experience comes in. So we learn from all those mistakes we made. That's that's, yeah. that, that's right. No, I you know I was I was a uh, I don't want to say a, a a jock. You know I you know I played uh, a lot of sports. You know my two loves are hockey and soccer. I played soccer to a high level till I was nineteen, basically until I had to go off and, and play uh, pro hockey. Right. And uh, you know to this day I still uh, follow the the EPL and 
and the Scottish League and 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 so on. So I like who you who you fought over there, Kirk. Uh, well, Glasgow Rangers are my are my uh, Scottish team, but uh, Manchester United. I'm a, a Man U guy. Tom, those are soccer teams. I broke football. Now, where'd you play junior hockey? Oshawa. Oshawa Generals. Yeah, so not far down the road from where I grew up. Uh, lucky enough, at that time it was, now it's pretty much a suburb of Metro Toronto, but at yeah. that time it was a little bit of a road trip at 40 minutes or so. So I was lucky enough, uh, we had Sunday night uh, games, home games, and my parents were able to drive down for most of them, along with my, my childhood friends. So I had a lot of support when yeah. when I was in uh, But you went, you moved to, uh, to Oshawa though, right? You... Oh yeah, yeah. I had to move there. We built it out, went to school there and all that kind of stuff. Made some great friends who I still stay in contact with, uh, uh, as well as my Toronto friends, became friends with a lot of my high school friends in in, in Oshawa, Whitby area. And I think still to this day, uh, stay in, in contact with each other. Uh, ironically, a lot of my Toronto friends have now moved out there. Or they have families and huh? are living in the Ajax, Pickering, Whitby area. So it's it's uh, it's full circle. The Pickering power plant, right? Isn't that what yeah. it's called? Yeah. Uh, Glen Healy. That's where uh, it's uh, yes, the Healy. Yes. So how old were you when you uh, left to go to Oshawa? Uh, I was seven, uh, 17. I was actually drafted as a 16-year-old. Right. So so an underage draft at the time. And at that time, you had to be drafted in the first three rounds if you were underage. And I got drafted in the third round. We, myself and my, my parents and my midget coach, uh, we decided to stay back uh, and play another year of midget for my development. Uh, you know, we found that going as a 16-year-old, you know, I probably wasn't going to get a lot of ice time, yeah. and which which uh, I wouldn't have because at the time, Paul Terrio, who, who also, I believe, coached and assistant coached in New York at some point, was my, my coach. And he was a big believer in a veteran team. So Peter Sodorkovich was the goalie. Oh, okay. And uh, he played all the games. So I would have probably at 16 years old just been basically a practice goalie and maybe got 10 games in. And, uh, you know, it was almost like that the next year because Peter came back as an overage. And I back and I backed up, and I think I, you know, got in maybe twenty games as a seventeen-year-old. So, so yeah, so it was it was the right decision to stay back and and experience that, and and uh, you know, it worked out for the best in the long yeah. run. That's interesting that you guys made that decision. I mean, that in a good way. Yeah, people just say, oh, I yeah. want to go, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, as you know now, the kids are. I mean, gosh, there's kids going at uh, out here out west. Anyways, I think there's fifteen-year-olds for crying out loud. Out. It's way too young. Uh, I I know the game's getting younger. Um, but, uh, that's, that's a big jump, 15, 16 year olds, uh, you know, going away from home and, and playing against, you know, 17 to 20 year olds. I mean, it's, it's a big, a big difference in, in maturity and, and yeah. physical and physical uh, part of it as well. Yeah. Like even the moving away from home, I was drafted by totally. the Peterborough. Yeah. I was drafted by yeah. Peterborough when Roger Nielsen yeah. was coaching. Yeah. And I went to camp and ultimately didn't make it. I think it was more because of the, uh, the whole off ice culture. I just wasn't mm-hmm. ready. I was, I uh, grew up on the farm and talked to a few guys like, uh, Richie Pilon was like that. Yep. He really didn't play junior hockey. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. No, huge, huge jumps. And, and, and I don't think it's, uh, people or parents really understand that. I mean, yeah. it's a little different now, I think, because the, the way the game has changed and the way the, the business part of the game, I guess, you know, even through, through junior hockey now, they run it like a big time business and they accommodate to the players, if you will, a, a lot more than, than back in the day. Not saying that they didn't because they did. It was slap shot. It was slap shot. Back it, it, yeah, it, it was hundred percent. So how many years did you play at Oshawa? Three years. Uh, I played, I got my three years in, um, you know, at the end of my last year, uh, we, when we got beat out in the playoffs, I got called off. So I played my first, uh, two games in the national hockey league at, uh, at 19 with the devils because oh. I was drafted by the devils. Right. Um, so it was late in the year. Uh, so I guess early April devils weren't making the playoffs, uh, back then the old Mickey mouse team that, uh, Wayne yeah, uh, 99 called them. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a great experience. Uh, I can remember it vividly, uh, last three games it was. So I get called up into, into, into Quebec, didn't play, just backed up that game. And then the last two games were against the Islanders who were at the end of their, uh, dynasty. And, uh, well, I guess it would have been about four or five minutes, five minutes, this literally five minutes into the game. And, and at Nassau Coliseum, we're down uh, four zip. And I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. And you're and in I, for all four? No, I didn't start that game. Oh. Late Chevier was the goalie at that time. And, uh, you know, Doug Carpenter, who was the coach, gives me the tap. And I'm like, oh my God. So I go in. We ended up losing seven, three or something like that. So they got, they got another three on me in pretty much a, a full game and uh it was it was eye-opening obviously because they still had everybody they you know bossy nystrom gillies trache pot van 
Billy Smith in the Nets. And uh, it was quite, I can, my first save was a breakaway against Claire Gillies. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> that was pretty cool. Now, had you been to camp Wait. before? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd been to, so 84 I was drafted. So I'd been to three camps, I guess it was. So I knew a lot of the guys and was familiar. And But still, that's your so, first game. That's your first oh, game, first, right? first game, yeah. Playing against the Islanders, for crying out loud. And and then the next the, the next night we go back and it's uh, the last game of the season and I get to start in New Jersey oh. uh, and pull off the win. And the first win was a big one, 9-7. 9-7. <laughs> <laughs> We're we going. We, we did. We won. We're going into the third period. We were up five three, but we pulled it up. Wow! <laughs> I'm playing defense for that team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think uh, everybody was just. Uh, yeah, especially last game of the year. That's a tough one. They were too. booking. They were booking their yeah. summer holidays uh, in, in between the second and third. Because right. they were all good guys, but this last game of the year, you're not making exactly. Out, so yeah, exactly. They've been they've been crushed the whole uh, the whole season, and 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 uh, they just wanted to get out of there. No, it was it was great because I. You know, I played with uh, Joe. Well, I didn't get a chance to play with Joe Sorelli in junior, but I played with John McLean. Oh. Uh, so Joe and John were were uh, in in New Jersey, obviously. Uh, Joe being a, a Oshawa General as well, but oh. had a first a first round uh, draft pick to uh, Colorado at the time, oh. and then they moved to New Jersey. So I was familiar with some of the players uh, through the, through the Oshawa system as well. What round? Frank, I was drafted sixth round. And, oh, that's good round. That's my round. Yeah. Well, back then, back then, yeah. I mean, it wasn't popular for goaltenders back then, as you know, to be drafted high. It was very rare, but it was a good draft year for for the Devils at that time. Craig Billington went uh, second second pick in the second round, wow. and Chris Terreri went round seven. I went six. He went uh, Terreri went seven. Following year, Sean Burke. Oh wow! And then uh, we all know, four years later, four or five years later, uh, Martin Bardur, you know, was was the pick then. So I was uh, we had a plethora. So there was. Uh, the four of us that I just talked about, and then you know Chico just retired. Uh, he was he was at a few camps I was at. Ron Lowe was at a few camps I was at, and they they were all just retiring. Bob Sove and then Elaine Chevier came out of nowhere, University of Miami, I think yeah. it was, and he was the sacrificial lamb for about three years before they developed the uh, you know the three or four of us that could that could kind of step in and and, and take over he was he, he did a good job for him believe me he was uh you know he was the guy that came out of kind of nowhere that they they went with for three years or so well, it was either him or hano campuri right yeah well hano campuri was there yes exactly uh, carl friedman you pulled that out of your head come on come up with that name. he's got his computer open that's where he yeah that. yeah yeah carl friesen came came out of there who was a, a manitoba boy or a saskatchewan boy i can't remember uh, who who uh, played for the German national team and was the goalie for for quite a while back in in, in that era. Yeah, Totowa, New Jersey, was a hotbed of goaltending. Yes. <laughs> what what was Chico Mesh like? Was he Chico Resch? Yeah, you know, Chico Mesh. We called Chico. him. Yeah, yeah. Chico was fantastic. We always see Chico. He's just a fun loving guy, and you know he was at the end of his career, so he was he was moving into the broadcasting booth. You know he he was just a happy go lucky guy. You know, he'd go in the net. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard a swear word come out of his mouth. He was just, uh, gosh darn it, you know, and, and uh, yeah, he was a competitor. He had a wonderful career. Stanley Cup champion. What can you say? He was funny. I scored on him uh, late in his career, <laughs> and he made some comment in the paper. He says, uh, the worst part is that, that guy scored on me. Like, he just thought, that's why I called him Chico Mask, because he was like, that, that guy. That, yeah, guy yeah, that, yeah. that would be him. Uh, so how many years did you spend in New Jersey? Well, basically just uh, first three years of training camp that year. Uh, you know, I came up and played the last week of the game or the, the season. And then the, the following year, uh, we, we kind of rotated through, through the minors uh, and the, and the big club, uh, we were uh, main Mariners, uh, in, in American hockey league. And, and like I said, myself, uh, Chris and, and Craig Billington, uh, kind of rotated after Craig had already played basically a full year when he was 18, they, they kept him up, uh, and almost played a full year and then sent him back to Belleville. They were doing that back to a lot of players back then. Uh, right. John McClain, the same thing. He stayed up and played a full year. Uh, Joe Sorella. Um, you know, we, we had a few of them. Todd Charlesworth, if you remember that name. He was sure, a defenseman, yeah. Yeah. defenseman in Pittsburgh. He got called up for oh, years. Was it, was it Lou running the team at that point? No, Lou traded me. No, it was Max McNabb. Oh, okay. Max yeah, McNabb. Really, I don't, I don't and, remember and, that happening. Yeah, I don't remember that happening. Too much uh, in our organization. Guys playing a year and then go back to junior, and that was rare. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, it was kind of kind of odd. I, you know, the years of uh, the Devils back in the day. Yeah, definitely. Maybe that's why the Mickey Mouse uh, group back there. <laughs> yeah. So you get so you get traded to Vancouver. Yeah. Training yeah. training camp of uh, eighty seven. 
drive down earlier with John McLean. We left Oshawa and uh, drove drove to to uh, New Jersey. Uh, I guess a week or two before, just to, to skate with the guys as we did back then. We didn't really skate through the through the summer and you know go through the whole process of of getting getting ready for camp. First day of training camp, we, we go in. Wasn't it, first day of training camp? We don't even go in. I get a phone call, getting ready to go do our testing, and uh, I'm staying at John's and and it was at that uh, time Bob Hoffmeyer, who just retired and who was becoming a uh, who was assistant coach, uh, just said Lou wants to speak to you. So Max had retired. This was Lou's first first year on the job, right. and you know when you get that call, yeah. okay, something's up. Yeah. And uh, so I go in and first time I meet him. Yeah, you know, hi. We've we've made a trade, and you're part of the trade, but we can't we can't tell you who else is involved. Which ended up being Greg Adams, and at that time, because the facts hadn't gone through to the league, and and they had to wait for all that kind of stuff. So I go, okay, thanks for for letting me know. A little little disappointed, but it didn't take a rocket scientist to to figure out that uh, you know they had a little you know uh, stable of goaltenders, and sure. and uh, you know something was going to happen. So off I go. You know, go back and let John know I get I get traded and packing up, heading to the airport to to fly out to to Vancouver. Uh, no time to to get back to to the Oshawa area to collect anything. I'm just whatever I had to for training camp. You know, I'm taking with me to Vancouver. I get on the plane, or I'm getting on the plane, and just passing me was uh, Dave Anderson, uh, uh, Glenn's brother, who I roomed with in in Maine. Uh-huh. for my first year and he's like what are you doing i said oh i just got traded and he said oh god you so whatever we shook hands and you know see you down the road or whatever and and i'm uh, sitting on the plane i still don't know who i'm traded with huh. and then uh last boarding call on comes greg adams and and uh, i'd known greg because he we, we attended a uh in 84 we attended a get-together midsummer in new jersey where they brought the draft picks and free agents and whatever and Mel Bridgman and and uh who was the captain at the time you know brought everybody out and showed them New York and New Jersey and all that kind of stuff and, and then Greg signs on as a free agent for for two years uh out of I think it was University of Arizona they didn't even have a there weren't even in the league all they did was play tournaments that's right yeah that's right Kirk we yeah. talked about we talked about this with Tom before when you get traded are you like immediately trying to find out who you got traded for because tom famously says he was traded for marcel dion but you like who like who they get yeah well it, it was it was uh, uh patrick sundstrom right so yeah. it was it was greg adams uh and i for patrick sundstrom what was your reaction to that like did you so my ego kicked in right away i was like well was like, yeah well, was I, I hadn't really established myself or or yeah. i was the throw-in at the end of the day so it was basically greg adams for patrick sundstrom and then i was kind of the the un, unknown goalie throw-in uh, but at the end of the day, was was scouted at the time by Bob McCammon, who was scouting, um, and saw me a lot down in Maine. And Brian Burke, who was a player agent at the time, who had a bunch of guys. Um, I was I was staying in uh, myself and 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 Dave were living in Frank Bay's uh, place in Old Orchard Beach in in Portland, Maine, or in Maine. And Stevie DeJure was living in Bob McCammon's uh, uh, units in the same the same place. So. So Bob was down there scouting, I think at the time for Edmonton, I'm not sure. And uh, obviously was familiar with Portland from his days in Philadelphia. And Brian, his days in Philadelphia, played in, in for the Maine Mariners and the Miners. And then they, they get shipped out or they sign with Vancouver as a coach and, and assistant GM. And, and then Pat Quinn, you know, leaves LA and goes through that whole uh, legal thing uh, where uh, he's now uh, in Vancouver. So we land in Vancouver. You know, I get a history lesson. I'd never been to Vancouver. I'd been as far as Calgary. Oh. And I'm getting a history lesson from from Greg. And uh, it was just fantastic. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, you know, obviously a beautiful city. We flew in at night, so I didn't get a chance to see the, I just saw the lights. And then the next morning, of course, wake up to boom. Yeah. You know, a mountain, a mountain uh, uh, surrounding city. And, and, you know, just fell in love with it right on the bus and, and uh, over, to, over to the island for training camp in, in Duncan, B.C. Oh, that's right. So yeah. you were, so were you Lou Lamarillo's uh, first trade then? Mm-hmm. Probably. Wow, that's it. That's yeah, awesome. yeah. And and I still, I've never seen him since. I haven't oh. talked to him since. Wow. You know, even even the times that the, you know in the arenas or here at Rogers, you know, when now when I guess when when the uh, the Islanders come in, you know, I know he still makes road trips, but I've never talked to him. That's wow, I've never I seen you, Kirk. You're traded. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Let's get a job. 
The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And the other important factor, uh, Greg Adams married our old trainer's daughter, Jerry Maloney's uh, daughter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Who are no longer together. Yes. Well, it's hockey. Things happen. It's almost a miracle. If a hockey player yeah. stays married after his career, it's a it's a miracle yeah. right there. Like, they have two wonderful kids together, though. Oh, do they? Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, were talk, we were talking before about Larry Melnick, right? Like, you know, he's the grouchiest man on the planet, but he stays yeah. married. The rest of us get divorced all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so, what, what happens in Vancouver then? Do you become the number one guy right away? Pretty much. You know, Richard Berdura was still here, so the King was still here, and Frank Caprice were the two goaltenders. Mm-hmm. They just I forget who who they just uh, traded away. Oh, Wendell, uh, Wendell Young. They just moved uh, traded. I think he went to, to Pittsburgh. I think it was. And so there was the three of three of us. So we did a rotation of three goalies for uh, the first half of the season. Then they and then they sent uh, uh, Frank down to the minors, and then Richard and I uh, we played until the trading deadline. They traded uh, uh, Richard to to Hartford, and then one of your old friends, uh, Steve Weeks, came in uh, oh, from Hartford. So Weeksy and I, he was kind of my uh, my mentor, uh, which was great. But I still ended up getting 40, 41, 42 games in uh, that year. So it was it was it was a good introduction to the starting goaltender, if you will. And then Weeksy and I played for the next couple of years and Weeksy was wonderful. Yeah. You know, I couldn't have asked for, for a better partner. You know, he, sh- really, he really showed me how to be a pro. I, I remember work, work they kind of assigned him to Trevor Linden too, to help him out. Uh, Cause he was a rookie, I think then too, right? Or, uh, yeah. Trevor came in, in 89. Okay. So he, a couple of years later. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Weeksy was a real, uh, played college with him. He was kind of, that different guy in that he was like really intelligent guy sitting in the room studying all the time. And we're like, what? yeah, I went phenomenal shape. Yeah. You no. Know, and, and his work ethic was, was second to none. So, you know, he was, uh, he was a good guy for me at that time because I, you know, I was still kind of, you know, had that uh, young kind of attitude and still maybe had a little bit of baby fat on me where I had okay. to sh- shred a little bit of that. And, and uh, you know, I, I definitely, definitely needed uh weeksy weeksy uh, at that time. So where are we at now? Is it like 89, 90? That would have been, yeah, 80, 89, 90. Yeah, 89, 90, 91. We went through a bunch of uh, weeks. He had moved on. And then there was like, we had Bob Mason came in for a bit. Uh, uh, Troy Gamble, uh, you know, was a high draft pick for the, he was the first round draft pick for the Cox and highly touted. He came in for a bit. And that, How does that make you feel, Kirk? Um, it was it was fine. You know, we we had great relationships uh, and i this this year i just saw troy for the first time in gosh 25 26 years you know he's living down in in uh, houston where he's settled and and uh, he came up for an alumni event and it was it was wonderful i always had a great relationship for whoever came in yeah. you know it was always the it was a healthy uh, working relationship as far as pushing each other and and that's what you need but yeah. uh you know off the ice uh, you know we're we had great relationships there was no animosity or we weren't we didn't have the you know the the doll out and pushing the pins into it. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was just a, a good, healthy working relationship. And then Troy, uh, and then, and then Kay Whitmer came in, uh, and we were together for close to five years wow. and, and Kay and I were, were rivals from minor hockey when he was coming out at sub Sudbury, we'd be in tournaments. And then of course he was in Peterborough, Oshawa, Peterborough, the, the, the big, uh, the big rivalry. And then he was a high draft pick to Hartford. And then we, we become, uh, partners for a good three, three to five years. Yeah. But Kirk has a monster year in uh, '92. He's second, yeah, in fourth in heart voting. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a good year. Uh, you know, things were going well with the club. Uh, it took a little bit. We went through some rough rough years from '87 to about '90, '89, 
you know, we, we, we got into 80, uh, the 89 season. We got into the playoffs. Uh, we lose to Calgary in the first round, who, go, who goes on to win the Cup. But Pat had uh, made a few trades and brought in some, some veteran players uh, to kind of get us over that hump. We lose in Game 7, the Joel Otto kicked in goal that uh, oh, yes. you know, is, is uh, well, we like to think it was kicked in. Right. And, uh, you know, they go on to win. But that was, you know, the beginning of, of the change in Vancouver, if you will. Then we he, he pieced together, uh, uh, you know, good teams uh, leading into 94 or 95. So a five-year stretch where uh, the early 90s, we were actually challenging for, for President's Trophies and, and – um, and then, and then we would we would get through the first round, and then we just couldn't get over that hump. So we were underachieving for myself out uh, in the playoffs, and and then of course '94 comes along where we had a good team. We 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 back into the playoffs. Really, we had it was complete opposite where we struggled through the year for some reason, and then I think we 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 solidified a playoff spot and four or five games left in the season, and then do what we do in the playoffs uh, where it all comes together and. It's weird the way it happens, you know. He's being very modest, but he's also was credited at the time for the save of the century in the mm-hmm. uh, Calgary series. You want to talk about that, Kurt? Well, I like to think that it's still the save of the century. You know, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like what I was saying, we we were getting labeled as a as a team, you know, and then of course as a goaltender that couldn't, you know, get the team to the next level, and it, I'd lie, I'd be lying to you if I said it didn't weigh on you a little bit, especially you know in the Canadian markets where the the media is, you know, crazy. Sure, and uh, can be can be pretty harsh, and and uh, um, you know, I try we try to block that out as much as we can. But when it's like daily and yeah, totally always, it's tough to do. So, so I'm you know, you start doubting yourself a little bit. Oh, can I do this? You know, do I have what what it takes? Is uh, my skill level or 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 my character enough to get us over this hump? Can I can I take that team to the next level? Make that big save, whatever it may may be. And uh, '94 comes along. We win the first game in Calgary. We shut them out actually. Then we we lose the next three games. And again, you're feeling the heat from the from uh, the fans and the, and the uh, the media. And, and then Pat was was coaching at the time, and it was the whole coaching staff was fantastic. You know, they were they're very very good with us to keep us loose and you know just pick away shift the, the old cliches came out shift by shift you know game by game and and we really did that because we won the next uh three games wow. in overtime right so we had to take it right to if we you know if we couldn't beat them in 60 minutes we're going to do it in the next 20 minutes so 90 minutes or whatever it took and that's the way we approached it and uh and then of course we get into double overtime game seven They'd had several chances uh, leading up to the the Reichel save, uh, um, you know, very good chances. Uh, actually, one at the end of the third period where uh, Al McGinnis had a, you know, an unbelievable shot coming in, and I made a made a good save, and and then we get into into the overtime. Theo's coming down with Reichel on a two on one, and uh, you know, Theo earlier in the game was in the same situation. He scored on me, tweeners between the legs, and so you know, the player that Theo was was a pretty damn good player, and he could do do it all he, you know he could pass he could shoot and uh it, he was nifty obviously because of his size you know he's on his off wing and i'm going oh my god the same situation here is he going to shoot it or is he going to come across the net or is he going to come around the net and uh I, I read the play the read the pass and and timed it perfectly with the two pad slide which was in a goalie's arsenal back then you know it worked out and then you know the beginning of the the, the second overtime Jeff Brown makes an unbelievable pass to Pavel Burry. And then Pavel Burry is going 100 miles in that, uh, 100 miles an hour, and then basically skates it into the net past uh, oh, past Herney at the time, and and boom, uh, the rest is history. We just kind of rolled through the playoffs uh, into the into the Cup Finals, and you know it was just an amazing run. Talk about that game one in the Garden too, because uh, yeah, Kirk stood on his head and, and still. Yeah. But before before I go any further, I mean, Greg Adams scores the tying goal against Calgary late in the third period. We don't we don't even get into overtime unless he scores that goal. I think sure. there's like three three minutes left to tie it up. So people forget that, right? You know, he was a big time player and came up with some big time goals, uh, uh, you know, all the time in, in big time situations. So I have to I have to give Greg a shout out for that. Cool. But very cool. You know, going into you know game one in the Garden, you know, we're all excited and we're getting police escorts to the arena. All that kind of stuff. It's sure. going down, going down uh, one-way streets the wrong way in Manhattan. Right, and uh, we thought it was it was quite humorous, but uh, 
you know, it was one of those games, you know, the hockey world and, and the team always says you have, you have to go in and steal a game or two in the playoffs. And, you know, that was the game where I was, I was obviously on and, uh, 52, 53, whatever the, the, the Mount was. And, and, uh, we come out on top in that overtime, first overtime where Greg Adams scores the, the overtime goal from a nice pass from, from Cliff Ronning. I believe. That's why Lou doesn't talk to you anymore. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we'll, yeah, that's right. But, uh, you know that was a wonder. That was a great series. Again, we go down three games to one. Yeah. You know we pick away. I can remember. You know we we come back to Vancouver. So we play the first two games split in in uh, split in, in in New York, and then we come back and then we lose uh, uh, game three and game four. Uh, we split. We split one and two, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, we split one and two, and then and we and then we come back. Uh, we lose three and four, was it? Yeah. Yeah. You guys won. You guys That's won right. game five at the. Golf and then we come back. We we come back and win game five. I think that's how it was, or game five, yeah. because yeah. game six was in Vancouver. No, it would have been so. The first, first two in New York, last two in New York, right? No, that yeah, that's no, right. It was, no, it was, it was two, two, three, one, one. Was it it two, was two, two, one, one, one. one. Yeah. Oh, was it two, two, one, one, one? Okay. Yeah, that was. Okay, that's a long time ago. So, so you, so you're down three one. You're looking at that lineup with the. I mean, you had a yeah. good lineup yourself. I think you had we had a great lineup. Yeah. You know, they they had a you know obviously a very experienced lineup with with who they had in there and and a lot of cups over there too, right and. And uh, it was a hard-fought battle. And again, we pick away. There were some weird games, uh, you know, game game six in Vancouver, where the puck goes that what they thought was in the net or went in the net, but it was uh, we scored already down the other end. They came down and scored. So we we I guess we I think we uh, we left the the ice surface with like two three minutes left in the in the period, right. and then they checked the they checked the video, and I don't know how I can't remember how it worked. I, I'm was was not worried about any of that kind of stuff and then we came out we they didn't score and we tied it up anyways and we went on to win game six and then the game seven and it's crap shoot then right so how are you feeling game seven of the stanley cup finals yeah come back from being down you gotta be tired physically and mentally too right oh totally we got an extra day's rest and and to this day we you know a lot of people think that extra day's rest benefited the, the rangers at the time because they were an older team and it was a super physical uh um uh, series and and all the shenanigans that go on with uh, playoff hockey, you know, airplanes or airports and luggage coming out late and something's going missing maybe for a day or two and yada, yada, yada. You know, both cities trying to do whatever it took to, to help their team win. You know, and again, again, it was a, it was a hard fought game in game seven. It went down to the wire. We, we, we hit the post with six minutes left to, to tie it up and, you know, we lose, we lose three, two. Uh, we come up short from our goal. Hugely disappointing, obviously, because you know you play to win, um, and bridesmaids is is uh, not what you're looking for. But uh, at the end of the day, when you reflect, it was a, a wonderful experience uh, for the city. You know they did it in '82 against the Islanders, where you know they weren't supposed to get there as well. Totally outclassed, obviously, against the Islanders at that time. Um, but this '94 uh, team. You know, somehow to this day, even though they, they, the team in 2011 do the same thing, to this day, uh, that 94 team and the players of that 94 team still hold a special place in, yeah. in, in BC and, and Vancouver Heights. Uh, it, it, it's amazing. It really is. And in 2011, they were an incredible hockey team. They, you right. know, that's the team that should have won it at the end of the day. You know, they, they were President's Cup, uh, right. you know, all that kind of stuff. And go up two games to nothing and end up obviously losing it, uh, as we know. So you look back at that 94 and say, yeah, you wanted to win, but you got to be really proud of yourself too, individually as a team. Totally, totally. What we went through and what, you know, uh, what we did as a team, uh, super proud. And, and, you know, that was the feeling in the, in the locker room afterwards. And, you know, everybody's not saying anything. What can you say? It was, it was, it was crickets in there and, and, uh, you know, some, emotional players where some players are emotional and then but i'm looking over at a guy like murray craven who that was his his third kick at the can you know he had a couple with with philadelphia and didn't couldn't close the deal then and then and then with us and and how many how many players get a chance to to be there once let alone three times and not and not bring it home so i felt i was feeling bad for a guy like like murray sure you know no did you ever get back there again no, no, we got to the conference finals, but never to the never to the finals. Yeah. And how many more years did you spend in Vancouver? Uh, I got traded away in 90, uh, 97, 90, 98, right. 98, early part of ninety eight. So eleven years I was here in Vancouver. So another what ninety seven years. That was that was kind of the things were kind of Pat got Messier uh, came to the team. 
you know, we made that we made that signing. I think originally they were trying to get uh, Wayne, and things kind of fell through. And then and then Mark was available. Mark came in, and you know, things were looking up. Then it took a hard right turn right from the beginning. We played our first two games in in uh, in Japan, and that's when the, there was a little bit of controversy where, where Mark ended up getting the cap taking the captaincy off of Trevor, and oh, yada, yada yada yada. So pulling. Uh, an unofficial retired number out of the out of the stand, Wayne Mackey's number eleven out of the out of the rafters, and so it was just a kind of a leading up to Pat Quinn getting fire, and then Keenan coming in, and yada yada yada. That's that's that was a that was a tough time and a dark dark time for for Vancouver, you know that whole era, and then and then there was a a series of trades. Myself, Martin Jelena not being being the first, you know, we got traded to Carolina, and then it was a trickle effect to to some of the the other guys from from that era. Was that a surprise for you when you get treated? It, it, it was. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, you know, things weren't going well. We were struggling. Um, it came out of the blue. I was was not aware of it. Because usually you get, sure. you know, you hear you hear rumors or, you know, your agent will give you a ring and say, listen, they're, they're maybe thinking of that. It just completely came out of the blue. I got a call one night. Uh, Steve Tambellini, who was the acting assistant GM or the acting GM with Keenan, they were kind of co-GMs, saying that I'd been been traded and and uh, that, was, that was it. Wow. Yeah. You know, I went down to the rink the next day and grabbed my gear and, you know, I didn't get a chance to see any of the guys, nothing. Yeah. It was just, uh, uh, see you later. So was Carolina your last stop then? Nope. Uh, you know, I went to Carolina. Uh, so it was myself, uh, Martin Jelena traded, traded for, uh, uh, Sean Burke, oh. uh, Enrico Ciccone and, and Sanderson. So, uh, no, I went to, went there. Uh, Jim Rutherford was the, the GM at the time. It was the GM here. Uh, I got there. I was. Completely devastated. I've still never gotten over the trade, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I bleed the I bleed the colors here in, in, in Vancouver, and and thought I was really going to finish it out. Maybe I was obviously a little naive. Um, yeah, we go there, and it was they were a new team, expan- uh, expansion team or not expansion team. Hartford went there, so a relocation team. They're based out of Raleigh, playing out of Greensboro. So home games were like almost an hour and a half away. Oh, really? Oh, so we'd have our we'd have our pregame skates in Raleigh, and then drive. Uh, drive to Greensboro to have our, our pregame meal, which was set up in a in a hotel where guys could have day rooms and all that kind of stuff, and then and then the drive back afterwards, you know, for home games. So it was, you know, it was it was fantastic. Don't get me wrong; they did everything uh, for the players that they could to make the players feel comfortable at the time. You know, they had to set up at a golf membership, and um, which was which was fantastic. And you know, the city of Raleigh was 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 awesome. It was just a weird situation, and yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I ended up, you know, asking to, to, to be traded at the deadline. So I was only really there for three months. Oh, okay. Um, and then, and then moved to, to, uh, got traded to the Panthers at the end of the, right. at the end there, and then played another year, uh, with the Panthers playing, I played out my, uh, my contract and ironically enough, Sean Burke comes down. Oh. <laughs> so there was, there was Sean and I the next year as the, as the goaltenders there, which, which was, which was fantastic. And Sean had a, you know, we kind of alternate, but Sean had a really good year, and then uh, contracts up. The new, the new, the new, yeah, a new, a new, new age of kind of goaltender was coming in, and you know, I was, I was hoping to come back to Vancouver, to be quite honest with you, to finish it out, maybe sign another, another deal in Vancouver. Berkey had come back as the GM here in Vancouver. Uh, Dan Cluche was the the goaltender, so I thought, well, it's kind of a good scenario. Berkey's here, and you know, maybe I can sign on and be you know, be a mentor for, for Kluche. I, I was in the mind, the headspace, listen, I'm ready to be a, the number two guy and, and just, just, just help out the, the, the newer, younger goaltender. And, and, uh, it's for some reason, Berkey didn't want to do it. He thought that my style of play was, was, uh, on its way out and he wanted a, you know, a different, uh, different feel. And, and, uh, so New York, uh, called and, and, uh, you know, I, I signed for two years there, and it was fantastic. You wanted to be my neighbor. That's what it was, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, Wayne Gretzky always said, if every, any player can experience one year in in New York, they should. And he's bang on. It was it was fabulous. The, the two years that I w- was there, you know, fabulous organization, and they they are second to none. They treat you like uh, rock stars. And as you know, anywhere you go in the world, there's some kind of connection. Yeah. You know, that's that's. Uh, you know that's the the capabilities they have, and it was it was awesome. Who was the other goaltender while you were here? Uh, Ricky. Ricky. Oh, he was okay. Well. Yeah, and then you know he had a lot of uh, injury issues. 
you know, so there was a couple of guys come up from the minors uh, a few times, and then Gihi Bear came in in the second year near the near the end. Uh, uh, Muck was the coach the first year, uh, and then he got fired. Uh, Mess came back, you know, kind of took over the show. Ron Lowe came in as the coach, and you know, I think, and and Sather came in. Right. Um, uh, uh, Smith was the uh, was the the GM prior to that. That's right. So it was it was it became the the Mark and Slats show at, at the end. <laughs> That's it. They do have big personalities, those guys. Yeah, yeah. So it was it was it was it was an interesting dynamic. So you had two years in New York, and that was it then. And that was it. Yeah. Again, as when I finished, again I was going to try and come back to Vancouver for a year or two if I could. You know, I had my little adventure getting traded away. You know, did I have a chance? to go to Europe or whatever for a couple of years. I never really pursued it. Something maybe it maybe it would have happened, but I didn't I didn't want to. I just wanted to be in Vancouver. Right. And if it if it wasn't gonna happen in Vancouver, uh, finishing my career off, I you know, I was happy enough to hang it up and go out on my own. Yeah, because you've had a pretty good career, right? A six round draft. Yeah. Game. Yeah. No, it was I, you know, the only regrets is that we couldn't put, bring a cup or I couldn't win a cup. Uh um, but it was certainly uh, a good ride. You know, I'm I'm involved with the team now. Uh, on an ambassador role, uh, thoroughly, uh, heavily involved, uh, and then I, I'm a board member on our alumni here. So it's, it's uh, like I said, I bleed the colors here, and and uh, you know I'm still still want to be part of it to bring a cup here to Vancouver. So now in game, any in any capacity, right? So now the game ends for you. A lot of guys have a hard time uh, when the game. Mm-hmm. Ends. Are you able to move on pretty easily? You know, it's it, it was it was a good transition. You know, when I was here, we have a wonderful alumni here. You know. Uh, you know, I may sound biased, but arguably the best in the league. You know, I, I made it, um, uh, it was a purpose for me when I was playing here to get to know the alumni guys here just because of what could happen uh, life after hockey. And so it was an easy transition that way to break into to alumni hockey. I didn't, I took probably a full year off of really, you know, not doing anything, just kind of soaking it all in and, yeah. you know, did a, a, a bit of traveling and, you know, play, play some golf and, and, uh, um, you know, and then I slowly worked my way into the alumni hockey and it was, it was great because I knew a lot of the older, the older guys at the time, you know, the, the, the curtain backs and the, the Odletsons and Jerry Sillers, who was our president at the time and, uh, Gary Bromley, the goaltender, Cesar Maniagle, you know, guys like that. So they're wonderful. Yeah. And it was so, it was so easy to, to make that transition. And, and I was lucky enough, uh, to kind of get back into the game in some capacity with the Canucks when the pay-per-view situation was happening and everybody thought that was going to be the next thing. So I, I did kind of like the analyst type of thing on the pay-per-view for two, three years. And then that kind of blew up where people weren't going to pay on their TV to watch their, their home team. And, and, uh, so that kind of went, went down the wayside and, and things again, were in a transition with the club, as far as the team wasn't doing well, they were struggling. You know, I, I did apply for for the goaltending uh, coach position, and and um, I, you know I think Richard Berdur did as well at the time, and we did all our interviews and everything. But they ended up going with Ian Clark, who their goaltender is right now. And so I went on and and did some stuff with with Colorado. Oh, some old old friends. Uh, Craig Billington uh, was part of the player personnel. Uh, he put the word in. Who was uh, Sylvain Lefebvre, who I played with in New York, was yeah. one of the assistant coaches, and also uh, Eric Lacroix. So Eric was kind of like the the assistant GM at the time, or acting GM, or whatever. And so they asked if I'd come in on a consultant basis. You know, I'd base out of Vancouver, and then and then kind of piece my way. Their farm club was in Cleveland, the Lake Erie Monsters at that time. Uh, Abbotsford Heat were here, so Calgary. So I had a chance to go see when they come here, and I do spot duty. I'd fly into Colorado, fly into Cleveland, and work with the goaltenders. So that was an awesome experience. Um, did that for three years, pretty much. Uh, coming out of the lockout, lockout year, uh, they made some changes. Uh, Pat Patrick Waugh came in, and you know, obviously brought all his his guys in, and at that time, back into Vancouver and established the. Uh, ambassador role and and the ambassador uh a uh, job with the team and and i've been here since doing that doing my role here since what i guess it would have been 2012 2012 so so, so it's let's, it's let's, awesome. be, let's, let's be honest so like the one bad thing has got to be you got to deal with larry melnick yeah well we don't see we don't see larry much anymore we did you know on our 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 uh, monday night skates uh you know, Larry would come out, and and of course, uh, you know, he loves to play golf, and, yes, he uh, so he's he's at every golf event. 
Right. Uh, he still thinks he can hit it a mile, a mile, but he can't. He hits it a mile left or a mile right, never down the middle. See, he doesn't he tell me. He doesn't tell me that. Yeah, yeah he he, he, he won't. He won't accept that he is getting older and and uh, it, the ball doesn't go as far anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know, he's fun to be around. He enjoys it. Uh, he's a character. Yeah. Um, you know, he can be moody, and he can he can rub people the wrong way most of the time but as we all know at the at the behind the scenes he's yeah. he's a he's an awesome dude and and uh you know has a big art yeah definitely were you there when he threw the skate at bob mccammon i was oh, i God. was he yeah, tells that story that was in winnipeg i yeah. can i can i can see it right now we 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 come off come off the ice and and bob's ripping into everybody and the way he can sarcastically cagey uh and as he's walking out the door uh, Larry, you can see it coming. Larry just wails the, his skate at him, and I'm telling you, the door just closed just in time, and or else he would he would have took it right on the head. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh my God, it was it was uh, it, it it was crazy. I mean, it's uh, we all looked at Larry, go, what the fuck are you doing, man? I mean, it's, you could have ripped the guy's head off. Larry could get pretty emotional, and yeah. and as tough as he was, he was a tough character, and yeah. you know he held his own out in the ice. Uh, he didn't take a take any crap from anyone, whoever it may have been. And Larry was kind of like the older statesman at the time, defenseman. He was uh, the veteran guy coming in uh, that we needed, and uh, you know he wasn't he wasn't happy. He tells me that Jack McLeary came to the next, uh, next season. They made him captain or something like that. This part of the reason captain or assistant yeah. assistant captain for sure. Yeah, no, no, Mel, Mel was uh, he was he was good good in the locker room. I mean, he he, he could uh, say he said the right things a lot of times in, in in the locker room, and he led by example definitely out on the ice without a doubt. And and uh, you know even even speaking to the younger guys, he was very good. He wasn't uh, uh, in your face. Uh, uh, you know, he would pull you aside, and 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 the constructive criticism would be bang on for the most yeah. part. Good guy. Yes, yeah, definitely good friend of mine. Too. Yeah. So uh, I think I know the answer with you, but any regrets looking back at your life for your career? Just not bringing back a cup. That's it. But other than that, no. You know, it's it was a wonderful ride, and you know, I've uh, met some great people throughout the game and continued to meet uh, the people and. And of course, when we're traveling the globe, wherever it may be, we run into somebody all the time. And it's, uh, you know, it's been a, it was incredible. It's been good to me. It continues to be good to me. And, and uh, we all love to give back, which we do. Uh, you know, I just came back from the island, a week on the island. We did a uh, community outreach uh, uh, program that we have. So we, we were in Port Hardy, Port McNeil, some of these, uh, Campbell River, some of these places where they don't get a chance to see Canuck players very often or get a chance to get over to, to the mainland to, to see the games and did some clinics and it was fantastic. Still heavily involved with our alumni board. Um, myself, Dave Babich, Yerky Lume do this thing called First Shift, which I'm sure you guys have in, in, in New York. I think every city has it. And it's a learn to play uh, organization, and and we get to get out with the kids and and uh, hang out and and uh, you know pass whatever we can. It's it's more the parents now at our age that uh, enjoy us coming out rather than yeah. the, the yeah. six to, to twelve year olds. But uh, it's it's quite fun, and we we enjoy it. And uh, no regrets. It's it's fun getting back out in the community and and uh, maybe reliving some memories that that uh, the parents have and and telling stories and. And uh, you know, having some laughs, but uh, I've heard he's a great guy. But Dave Babbage goes down in history as the hairiest man in the history. Oh yeah, oh he's he's the nicest guy in the world. He's you know, other, than, other, other than Adam Graves, yeah, him and Adam Graves are battling it out for the nicest person in the world. And but yes, he's uh, the big Ukrainian, and and uh, yeah, he's he's uh, he's the only place he's missing any hair is on the top of his head. I'm just thinking that, yeah. <laughs> He's I have funny. heard many. I've heard so many great things about him. Also, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, he's he's incredible, incredible person. As is Yerky Looming. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Kirk, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really, I know we don't know each other that well. We got to know each yeah. other here when you're in New York, but I was always been impressed by you. I mean, like you really came across as that intelligent, thoughtful guy, and I really think it showed here in the last 50 minutes too. While we talking, so thank you very much for coming on the show. Good to see you. Well, I appreciate it, and thanks for inviting me. I know Larry always said you got to get on the show, but. Yeah. Uh, Good luck with what you're doing right now. It's uh, I always enjoyed watching the clips in the past, and you know I'll, I'll continue to watch you. And you know I'd like to say go Rangers, go, but I gotta say go yeah. Canucks, go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Thank on. you guys. Be okay. Kirk. Well, that was really cool, Tom, because we get to hear from a the probably the last great stand-up goaltender, yeah. and b to hear his perspective because we all we hear about you know the '94 Cup all the time, but we never hear the other side. And I mean, he played so good. He stole that game and almost stole the series. To hear his take was was pretty cool. Yeah, pretty humble guy too, right? He's a six-round draft pick of the Devils. And 
fight through all this stuff. And, and the way he says it's just don't just keep moving forward all yeah. the time. It's actually very inspirational, I think, because it's a good lesson for everybody. Just uh, you know, it never seemed to uh, be overthinking things. He just knew he had to show up every day and yeah. do his job. Show up, work hard. And he's you were a sixth round draft pick, right? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, I wonder if there's a correlation there. Smart guy. That's why. Just like well, me. one of you are. <laughs> Great show. Good job. All right, grasshoppers, thank you for listening. We had a fantastic show. We'll see you next time. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 